So I just do want to welcome those who maybe are joining us online or through a podcast or whatever. Church, can we just welcome those who are, uh, uh, I don't know where, whatever part of the world, just welcome. And if you're ever in our town, just feel free uh, to come and join us for uh, the services. And I do want to say we've got a local counsellor here. Where are you, James? He's here somewhere. Stand up, James, who helped do the expressway and stuff. So well done, well done, well done, well done. Built it himself, he did. Built it himself. So, uh, no, great job. Saw you driving your Porsche on it, being overtaken by a fast Lamborghini. Watch out, somewhere. Notice that speed. All right, all right. So, Lord, just bless the word as we speak it today. May we go out here different than how we came in. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. So this is part two of our four-part series, Not ashamed based out of the scripture in Romans chapter 1 verse 16 where Paul the great apostle declared for I am not ashamed everybody say not ashamed ashamed. I'll say it like you believe it now not ashamed I'm not ashamed come on I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes and Paul understood that power because his life had been changed. His life had been turned around. He was a persecutor of Christians, and then he had a power of God encounter, and the persecutor became a preacher because of the power of God. So he knew the power of God and its ability to turn people's lives around. And so he was not ashamed of this gospel because he understood it is the power of God unto salvation. Listen, for everyone, everybody say everyone. You know, everyone in the Greek means everyone. It means everyone. That means if you're here today and you're saying to me, I don't know if God would ever love a person like me. Pastor, I've heard that God loves, but I don't know if God, listen, I want to tell you, this gospel is for everyone. Say it one more time for me. Come on. Who's it for? Everyone. It's for everyone. This gospel is available for you. You might think, but pastor, you don't know what I've done. Friend, I don't know what you've done, but God knows, but he's made his gospel. It's never been about how bad you are, but it's about how good he is and what he has done through the cross of Calvary. Somebody say amen right there. It's available for everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Why? For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. We, we can't buy it. We can't earn it. What's the good news of the gospel? That there is a righteousness that comes from God. Tired of trying to get your own way. Try to, try to uh, get it. Sometimes people are working their way up to God. But the beauty of the gospel is God came down to man. He met us. And he died our death that we might live his life. A righteousness that comes from God is revealed. And how does it come? By faith. Faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. You know, last week I said this. I, I said, I've never been ashamed of the gospel, but I have been embarrassed by it. Or rather, not so much embarrassed by the gospel, but rather embarrassed by the presentation of the gospel, how it was presented. And so uh, I told you about last week some awkward gospel moments that I had experienced. And I'm sure all of us in different parts of our lives would have had the similar type of experience, some awkward gospel moments where the gospel came out, but perhaps it was a little bit awkward in its presentation. And so I'm saying today, the methods we use are really important if we want the message to be understood. I'll say it again. The methods we use are really important if we want the message 
to be understood. And I told you about how we were at the Super Bowl and around the, the games and stuff. And as we, we were involved in that and walking through it, I saw all these crazy presentations. There were preachers yelling. There were preachers swearing. There were preachers telling that, they, that God hates you. And, 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 and as I looked at all of this and watched the people going by, the thing that discouraged me was how numb everybody was. It was like they were shutting off to whatever was being said. They weren't listening to it. And they weren't necessarily rejecting the message of the gospel, but they were rejecting the way it was being presented. So our methods, we have to look at those if we want people to clearly understand the message that we bring. And now I know some people will reject the gospel. Some people will reject the message. But I want to say this, let them reject it. Let them understand, at least they understand it and reject it rather than reject it just because of the way that it was presented or delivered. Can I hear an amen? amen? But now the challenge for us today is that if you and I call ourselves followers of Christ, if you and I call ourselves disciples of Christ, we too are to ashamedly deliver the gospel message to a hurting world. We're called to do that. We, we, can't, we can't put it on to someone else. We are called to be ones who unashamedly deliver the gospel message to the world around us. It is our mission. It's your mission. Tap your neighbor and say, it's your mission. Come on, say it again. Tap him again and say, it's your mission. You tap him right back and say, it's your mission too, buddy. It's our mission. We've got to understand this part. We're called to do it. And remember, I've said this at the beginning of the year. Our purpose as Connect Church is always to be defined by His purpose. What is His purpose? We can find it in the Great Commandments and the Great Commission. The Great Commandments are simply this. Matthew 22, verse 37. Jesus said, this is the most important thing, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second commandment is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. You can sum that up in these two things. Love God and love your neighbor. He then tells us the Great Commission. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Jesus said, this is one of the last things he said as he was, as he was um, uh, coming to the end of his ministry on earth. He told his disciples to do this. Go and make disciples. Everybody say go. go. Not stay, not hang. We're to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In Mark 16, verse 15, it says this, uh, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Everything in the Bible is written for us, but not everything is written to us, but this is. We're commanded, if you like, to do this. This is our mission. This is your mission. And that's why we say this, a great commitment to the great commandments and the great commission will grow a great church. And that's why our vision statement is to connect people to Jesus and their purpose. This is not just a statement, people. This is, this is a call to action. This is a call to us to do something. This is not just something to, to, to put a nice little thing or banner on the wall. This is a call to do something. Jesus said to his disciples in the 
last verses of Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 and 38, he said these words. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. It says, ask the Lord of the harvest. Another version says, pray the Lord of the harvest, therefore. will send out workers into the harvest field. You know, something about a harvest is simply this. The harvest is reaped in the field where it grows. The farmer tills all day, and then he comes home for a meal. This is home. This is our fuddy. This is our, our place. This is, our, uh, this is our, uh, our home. This is where we, we eat. This is where uh, the Word of God is presented. And it's like the bread of life. And, and it can fill us. But the harvest is not found here. So many times as Christians, people are looking for everything they want to do. Christian, if you like, in, in these four walls. But I want us to understand here today, our harvest is not found here. Our harvest is found out there. And, and we say this, we, we say this, uh, uh, you know, in our language, you know, what field of work are you in? I want to tell you, your harvest is found in the field where you work. Come on. Your harvest is found in the field where you work, where you have influence. Where is that place? That is where the harvest will be reaped. In the field where you work. But what I love about these passages is how they link together with the next chapter. It says in the last verses of Matthew 9, verses 37 and 38, Jesus said, As we saw, pray the Lord of the harvest, therefore to send workers into the harvest field. And many of us will pray that, Lord. Lord, yes, Lord, send workers. Send, send people into the harvest field. We pray it, and there's nothing wrong with that. But when the New Testament was actually originally written, it never had chapter and verse. And so chapter 9 automatically flowed on to chapter 10. And I love what it says in, in chapter 10, verse 1, because the disciples became the answer to Jesus' prayer. And it says this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, Jesus called the 12 disciples to him and gave them authority, authority over demons, authority uh, to preach the gospel. And in verse 5, it says, these 12 Jesus sent out, sent out. I'm praying today as we walk through this series of Not Ashamed that we too would be the answer to Jesus' prayer. That we too, come on, we too would be the answer to that which Jesus has prayed. As a follower of Christ, let us be, be the ones who say, here I am, Lord. Send me. What stops us from sharing? Well, fear. What stops us from doing it? Like I said, we've all been that guy in the video. We've all been that guy. What stops us? Fear. Fear of rejection. Fear of rejection. People will sometimes reject you. And, and Jesus said, you know, they, uh, if, they, they, uh, um, if they reject me, they'll reject you. We've got to understand. Don't be shocked uh, uh, by that. But we're going to face rejection when it comes to preaching and, and, and sharing our faith. Some people will reject us. And I've experienced that even as that when, just getting saved. And uh, many, many years ago, I, I remember standing on a street and, and the square actually at Christchurch, first time sort of preaching the gospel and standing there. And a guy, he got upset with what we were saying and he threw a can at us. 
and it hurt me. It's like, ouch, everybody go, oh. It hurt me. I remember in India one time we were preaching the gospel in an area, and as we were, we were preaching, we were uh, um, a crowd had gathered round, and then these guys, uh, sort of Hindu radicals, they came and said, "Stop preaching! If you don't stop preaching, we're going to throw a stone you, basically." So I know what it's like to face a, a, a rejection. I remember uh, one time. Again, oh no, that's a whole other story. I won't, I won't tell you that one. But, but rejection, all of us will face rejection. You know, at the, towards the end of last year, one of the things we wanted to uh, uh, do was, because we make a lot of noise here, and youth can be a bit ruckus sometimes, as are some of the adults uh, on, a, uh, on a Sunday, we said, well, why don't we take gifts around to all the people around the neighborhood and, and, and just make little, uh, little cool gifts and, and just say, hey, thank you, and we love you, and invite you to Christmas services or whatever it was, and, and, and just put, put these nice little gifts together that will just, just bless, all, bless all the neighbors. And then we thought, who, uh, uh, you know, who's the prettiest of them all? And so we thought, Natalie, we'll just grab Natalie. Natalie, if you can go around. And then she picked Mila and Eva and, and just said, who's going to reject a little cutie kids? Who could reject Mila? I mean, right, it's just, uh, who could do that? And so they made, we made all these gifts. And so Mila and Eva went round and with Natalie and knocked on the door and said, hey, we're just from Connect Church. We just want to bless you. We want to just say thank you so much, and uh, just, you know, Jesus loves you, and, and, and we just want to give you these uh, gifts. And she went around 20, 20 so or so neighbors and did that, and it was great. People were like, oh, so sweet, nice, oh, look at the baby, oh, lovely, until she knocked on one door. And she said, hi, I'm Nellie, I've got a gift for you, da 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 I don't want your gift. I was like, oh, that was awkward. That was, ooh, ooh, you know, how many could feel the awkward uh, right there? And she said, so I was like, no, I don't want your gift. I don't want anything. Basically, I don't want anything to do with you. I don't want it. You can take it. You can, you can have it. And basically, shut the door in her face. That was rejection. Natalie, did that affect you for the rest of the day? That, did, were you awake at night thinking about, uh, waking up? Because that's what rejection does, isn't it? When you, for, for all of us are going to face, re, face rejection. But here's the thing I've learned about rejection. You can have 20 people. 20 people who can say, that's awesome, that's good, that's amazing. But one person, one person can come around and just reject you. And, and, we, and sometimes we've experienced that in our uh, uh, sharing of faith where we've been rejected or people have pushed us, uh, pushed us aside and we go, man, I can't do this anymore. I can't do it because of that rejection. But we've got to understand that that's a plan of the enemy. Come on. Yeah. It's a plan of the enemy to stop us from sharing that which God has put in our hearts, all of us will face rejection. We have fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of man. And Proverbs 29, verse 25 says this, the fear of man will prove to be what? A snare. But whoever trusts, it's a trap, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. We need to learn how to trust in Him, not to worry about what people will say. If they rejected Jesus, they'll reject you. If they hated Jesus, they'll hate you. But we've got to be uh, uh, like Taylor Swift and say, and you just got to know the haters going to hate, 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 hate. Come on, somebody. But shake it off. Shake it off. You know, that's what you got to do. Okay, I'm not as good a dancer as Taylor Swift, but never mind. It's not that bad now. I thought I was a pretty good dancer right there. But the fear of man is a snare. 
And remember, Paul tells his son in the Lord, 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, he, he says this, God has not given us, everybody say us, a spirit of fear. He's not given us a spirit of fear. He's not just saying God's not given me a spirit of fear. He's saying God has not given us. Tap your neighbor and say he's speaking to you. Come on, come on. Now do it like you, come on, everybody. Back to the front. Tap your name and say he's talking to you. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Like I say, if they rejected Jesus, they will reject you. And I love the context of that. I love the context of, of, of the scripture. It says this in verse six. It says, therefore, I remind you to stir up, to fan into flame the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of hands. And I want to just say in part four of this series, one of the things we want to do is we want to gather as we, and, and commission us into this task again to maybe gather at the front at the altar and just say, Lord, we want to pick up this commission again. We, we, we want to fan into flame the gifts of God that are in us to be ones who will go out into the harvest field and, and make it. So make sure you're here on that fourth Sunday as we, we do that. So it says, therefore, I remind you, stir up, fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And then it says in verse 8, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Don't be ashamed. It's talking about the, the gospel. He's not given us a spirit of of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. So don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. We cannot and we must not let fear keep us silent. We must not uh, keep this gospel, this good news of salvation to ourselves. John Piper, the great preacher, said this, silence about the gospel is not love. Silence is the enemy of the salvation of my people. Silence is the enemy of the salvation of any people. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Friend, I want to tell you, if we're going to present the gospel to people, the only motivation for us is love. You can't do it to earn brownie points for God. You can't do it because you hope that God will like you better than someone else. We do it out of a motive because God has loved us and we want to love other people. We must do it out of a motivation of love. You know, the same Paul who, who said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And 2 Corinthians 5.14 tells us his heart and his motive. And he says this in verse 14 of 2 Corinthians. He says, for the love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ. What motivated him? Why did he do what he did? Because he loved Christ. That compelled him. That forced him forward as followers of Jesus. Our love for him and his love for people should compel us out. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whomsoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. 
Friends, we've got to have a motivation of love. Love, the Bible says, is the most excellent way. We don't do it because we have to. We do it because we get to, because we are compelled by the love of God. You know, in creation, we see the hand of God revealed. But in salvation, we see the heart of God revealed. His heart for people. And we are not the salvation we've received. It's not because we first gave our heart to God. The salvation that we have received today is because God first gave his heart to man. The love of Christ compelled Paul. The love of Christ should compel us to reach a hurting and a dying world. It goes on to say this. Paul says, he died for all that those who live who live for him, should no longer live for themselves. Friends, sometimes we can just make faith just about us. It's me and Jesus. But Paul was saying, I am compelled. This love of Christ compels me. The, 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 the fact that Christ has saved me is so that I would no longer live my life for myself, but for others. Yeah. Let that be our prayer too. It says, therefore, he goes on to say this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all these things are of God. What was Paul saying there? He's saying this, the love of Christ compels me. I'm not going to live for myself. I understand my position, who I am in him. That, 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 that I, you know, I once was lost. I'm now, now I'm found. I understand here today that, that the, the old is gone and the new has come and I can stand in God today, holy and righteous because of what, what God has done. And it goes on to say, all of this is from God. God did it. We couldn't earn it. We couldn't buy it. We couldn't go after it. God has done it for us. And then it says this. It says, Christ who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us, I want you to get this, the ministry of reconciliation. Sometimes people say to me, Pastor, what's my ministry? I don't know what I'm going to do. Pastor, what's my ministry? The Bible says that we've been reconciled to God. And not only just reconciled, He has then given us the ministry of reconciliation. Each one of us here have the ministry of reconciliation. Can I see any full-time ministers? Uh, hands up in the house, please. Come on, someone, I need to see every hand up in here, every single one of us. If you're a follower of Christ, you're a full-time minister. You are a minister of reconciliation. And you've got to understand that, God, the enemy's going to try and stop you from being that. The ministry's going to try and stop you from living it out. If you're asking here today, what is my ministry? You are a minister of reconciliation to a hurting world. You're carrying that. It's inside your, your heart. It's inside your life. He said, he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. And then it says in verse 20, now then, we are ambassadors. I like that, now then. Now then, 
What? What does that mean? Now that you understand that Christ's love compels us. Now that you understand that we are not to live just for ourselves. Now that you understand you, you, that God has, has wiped away your past and, uh, and is bringing you forward into your uh, future. That the old is gone and the, uh, the new has come. Now, that you under, now then that you understand that you've not just been reconciled to God, but God has given you a ministry of reconciliation. That is for you, every single person here. It says, now then, you've got to understand that you are an ambassador. Come on, for Christ. You are an ambassador. It says, though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. God has reconciled himself through us and through Christ and has then given us the ministry of reconciliation. We are his ambassadors. Some of you need to put some diplomatic plates on your car because you've got to understand you are no longer of the kingdom of darkness. You're an envoy of the, come on somebody, of the kingdom of heaven. You're you're from a different kingdom and God's going to use you to change people's lives. I was talking to a person this week who had a job interview and they, they said they met the person who was doing the job interview in the office. And this is a person who, who, who I know just allows God to speak through them. And as they were talking to the person interview, they felt God whisper something into their, their spirit and just say, just speak that. Like, as they understand the fact that they're an ambassador. They understand the fact that God is able to use them. They understand the fact that they have this ministry of, of reconciliation. And they just felt God whisper something into their heart for this person. And they said, hey, look, I just want to tell you, I, I don't know whether this is true or not or whatever, but I just felt God speak this. As she spoke that. This is in the middle of a cafe. That person broke down. The person who's meant to be doing the interview, who's meant to be doing the job, weeping like a, like, like a baby, just going, oh, my God, how do you know you The person had to pull themselves back together. All of us have that ministry of reconciliation on the inside of us. All of us, if we would allow God to use us, if we would understand that we are ambassadors of Christ, we have inside of us this ministry of reconciliation. How much could we change the world? How, how, how much of a harvest could we bring in? an ambassador to God. So it's time to love and live like one. Understand, you've got those diplomatic plates. Understand, you're, you're not of this world. You're of a different kingdom. You represent a different king. And that king lives inside you. And if you would allow God to use you, if you understand that you have that ministry, you don't have to go and get it. You don't need a special prayer. You don't need, it is inside of you. Right now, He could use you in the field where you are to reap a harvest. You're an ambassador. Live and love like one. Live not ashamed. Tap your neighbor and say, I'm not ashamed.
So if we are ambassadors and we're going to share the gospel, what is the gospel? Well, for that, you'll have to come back next week as we talk about what are those elements that bring the gospel together. But this week, let us live as ambassadors to our King. Every head bowed and every eye closed right across this auditorium. I want to finish this service off without giving people a chance to be reconciled to God. In a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer that says, Christ, come into my life. If you're here today and you know that you're not right with God, you you can sense it right now, even in your heart. I'm going to give an opportunity for you to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you've walked with Him for a while and you've, uh, you've just allowed your heart to grow cold. If you're here today and you know you need to get right with God, when I pray this prayer, I'm going to get you to put your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. That's me. Would you include me in that prayer? You might be here and like I said before, say, well, I don't know if God could love a person like me. But I want to tell you, God loves you. He died for you. It's never been about how bad you are, but about how good He is. So I want to give you, before the service closes, that opportunity to say, yes, God, I want to get right with you. So if you're here today, you want to be included in that prayer, saying, that's that's me, Pastor. I need to get right with God today. Wherever you're seated, would you put your hands straight up in the air so I can see it? Anyone here today, you know you need to get right with God. Thanks, bud. Anyone else? It's nice and high so I can see it. You know you need to get right with God today. Anyone else? I don't want to finish this service without giving you that opportunity. Hallelujah. Thank you. All right. Let's just pray that prayer for that person who put their hand up. Lord Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Lord Jesus, I forgive me of my sin. Be my Lord be my king. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's put our hands together for that person.